This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I got a special product for my cannabis love in kings and queens. If you love a good pre-roll, a joint, you have that fresh cannabis, we want to make sure it's staying fresh. And so I'm thankful to have Integra Specialty Products here at the Low Life Podcast. Brings you plant-based solutions for top-tier cannabis storage and packaging with two-day humidity control packs. Ensure the freshness, potency, and quality of your cannabis with Boost plant-based solutions that only puts in pure water vapor into your dried-out buds. Ideal for flour, pre-roll, edibles, they offer harmonious balance of convenience and freshness. For more information, check them out at www.integraboost.com or at Integra Herbal on Instagram. Use code LOWLIFE at checkout for 15% off your next online purchase at www.integraboost.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We keep it moving, yeah, we do. Hola, bienvenidos, buongiorno, mis amigos. Welcome, one and all, to a brand spanking new episode of this little freak show. <laughs> I'm your flaming hot and spicy, seasonally depressed, white wine drinking, talky finger licking, hot mess of a host, Lorenzo Van Rumpf. And I'm so happy to be here with you today. There's no place I'd rather be than right here with my lowlifers. Today's episode is going to be a solo mission episode. I like to throw those in once in a while, get back to our roots. This is how this podcast initially started. It was me, my gay ass went back in the closet, and I was on that mic, a nice hot mic, ready to go. That was during the pandemic. Since then, we've been able to have guests on the show, lots of guests, but sometimes it's nice to go back to where it all started, just me on the mic with you. And so that's what we're doing today, little solo mission. It also gives me an opportunity to really connect with my beautiful listeners, my kings and queens. You DM me all the time and you're asking me questions for advice. Uh, you've also emailed me. Sometimes you'll leave your questions in the review section of Apple Podcasts. And so it gives me an opportunity to actually answer some of these questions. Not that I'm anyone who should be giving advice. <laughs> Let me just preface that. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a professional in any way, but I do have some life experiences that might be able to help you just based on what I've gone through in life. And I've learned some lessons along the way. And so if I could share some of that with you and it could actually impact you or make a difference, sometimes it's nice to hear a bit of a different perspective, even if you don't agree with it. And so we're going to answer some burning questions from the low lifers today. You never disappoint on this show. Thank you for the vulnerability and really just going there with the questions. There is no topic off limits here. That's for damn sure. And I want to keep it that way. Before we get into this week's solo mission, let's talk about mental health. Nobody asked, <laughs> but my mental health score this week on a scale of one to 10, one being 5150 my ass, I'm really struggling at the bottom of the barrel, just hurting. 10 is euphoric bliss. I'm feeling on top of the world. Life's never been better. That's definitely not where I'm at right now, but I am feeling good. So I'm going to rate my mental health a solid 7.5 out of 10. That's right. 7.5 is pretty damn strong. I'm feeling happy right now. 
Now, let me just preface this by saying it is not all sunshine and rainbows over here. Even though I'm feeling good right now, in just the blink of an eye, something could happen. I can be triggered and I'll just plummet to a solid four out of 10. So <laughs> you never know what you're going to get over here at the Low Life Podcast. But right now, I'm feeling pretty damn good. And there are some contributing factors to that. I talked about infrared saunas have helped me. I've been spending time with my little Shamu, my little pug of love. And I've also just been really putting in the work. And when I say putting in the work, I know some people give a bit of an eye roll like, oh God, what are you doing? Therapy? Well, that's part of it. Going to therapy actually does really help. But if you aren't somebody who's going to therapy, I highly suggest it. But there are other ways that you can still put in the work and give yourself a fighting chance. And one of those ways that has actually really helped me, besides therapy, is taking the time to check in with myself, being very mindful. And something that helps me is journaling. I will spend a little bit of time, I have a gratitude journal, and I just jot notes down in it. But at the end of the day, I'll write down what my mental health score was for the day, what was the good, the bad, what was something that brought me happiness, maybe something triggered me and made me feel upset, whatever it could be. I jot those notes down and I start paying attention to what my mental health scores are. Sometimes when I'm around certain people, I'm like, I felt really drained. When I got home, I felt really drained or I drank more than I wanted to and I hate that feeling. Like I wish I didn't drink that much because now I'm going to have a rough morning. And so I start paying attention to those factors of like who I'm spending time with or what brought me happiness or what made me sad all of a sudden. Was it because I didn't sleep that morning? Was it because I didn't really treat my body well and I wasn't drinking enough water or did I not work out? Like there's always something that's affecting it. But when you are writing it down and just being very cognizant of like, okay, this is what's going on. I'm taking notes on myself. I'm checking myself. It actually gives me a fighting chance at figuring out what the hell actually brings me happiness. And if you're someone like me who struggles with depression, struggles with keeping the darkness at bay, that is one tool that you could have in your emotional toolkit to help you regulate your emotions and actually give you a fighting chance at this thing called life. Got to be really honest with yourself. And sometimes there are certain people, as much as you love them, they're going to be very draining for you. And so small doses, micro doses of certain friends, that's what I've realized I've had to do in the last year. Put up some boundaries. Also, something that's really helped my mental health is saying no. <laughs> if you're a fellow people pleaser out there, you know, sometimes it's very difficult to say no, especially if you love someone and you care about someone. You don't want to let somebody down. And I understand now that yes, I want to help people. And yes, I want to be there for my friends and family. And I want to show up for the barbecue. And I want to be able to help somebody move. Actually, I don't. I don't want to help anybody move. That's something I just am not into at this point in my life. Hire some movers, or I don't know, just <laughs> figure it out. But don't call me for that shit. <laughs> something that's really helped me with saying no, because it is a struggle for people pleasers to put yourself first in that way and have a boundary. But I look at it like this. It's a paradigm shift. If I say no to someone or something that I truly don't want to do, it's giving myself a yes. It's giving myself a win. And that's something I don't do very often because I tend to neglect myself. And so having that perspective now, when I go into different scenarios, if I say no to this, I'm giving myself a win and I deserve to have a win. Let me put myself first. This is important to do. I will actually say that to myself. And what I've learned now is saying no and setting up some healthy boundaries in life gives me wins in my personal life, but it also makes me a better friend, colleague, lover, family member. It's made me a better person because I'm taking care of home base. So it all ends up working out. And those no's that you have to give out here and there, even though it's uncomfortable at times, 
for people who are really rooting for you in your inner circle, people who really love you and care about you, they'll completely understand. And if they don't, thank you for revealing who you are. You're a bit of a red flag moment. Boom, boundary established. (laughs) So it's nice to say no once in a while. And just to clarify, when it comes to saying no, the power of saying no to certain things, it's when you know you're going to jeopardize yourself. And so, for example, I know that I want to be able to hang out with a friend and I know we're going to go all night and hang out and catch up and laugh and that's good for the soul. But I also know that I have a photo shoot the next day and if I don't get at least five hours of sleep, good quality sleep, I'm going to be a nightmare. I'm not going to be able to do well at the shoot. I have to be very on. I have an early morning. Plus, I got to get up early for Shamu. And so as much as I want to see this friend, the only time she had available to hang was like a Wednesday That's not going to work for me. I had to say no, but let's try and catch up on a Friday. So little moments like that where typically old me would have been like, yeah, of course, and then just had an Adderall or lots of iced coffee the next day and been struggling a bit. Now I'm like, no, I don't want to have a shitty day at work. I got to say no, and let's reschedule it for another time that works for both of us. I had another friend who invited me to a group dinner with people that I don't know very well. I know them well enough to have dinner with them, but I'm more just friends with this one individual person, but she invited me to the group, which is awesome. But the restaurant they invited me to, I know is very expensive. It's one of the most expensive restaurants in LA. And this is a group of like 10 people and it's celebrating someone's birthday that I don't really know that well. As much as I'd love to go and have a nice $250 dinner, I had to say no. I'm going to sit this one out. It also was on a night where I already had plans to see somebody else. And so I'm like, should I cancel on that person? Because this dinner, it's important that I could catch up with these people. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm going to sit this one out and I'll catch up with my friend another time. Everybody talks about FOMO, the fear of missing out. I'm here to champion the idea of JOMO, J-O-M-O, the joy of missing out. Sometimes it's really nice to miss out once in a while, (laughs) especially if you're putting yourself first and you're not going to jeopardize something that you need to do in your own personal life, like getting up early or working the next day. So I talk about saying no, but I also am trying to say yes to certain things too, especially when it comes to new experiences, saying yes to new experiences and getting yourself out of your comfort zone, pushing yourself a little bit is also really healthy to do. And again, as long as you're not jeopardizing something in your own personal life, that's going to give you a win, then say yes to certain things. The perfect example is me going to Montana for Haley Arantia's bachelorette party, going to Montana with nine people who I don't know and staying in a house for five days would have been something I typically would have said, no thanks, hard pass, (laughs) I'm going to sit this one out. But I wanted to challenge myself and say, you know what? I've never been to this part of Montana. I love Haley. Her friends are probably great. I'm in her wedding. Let's do it. And so I said, yes, it made sense. I had the time off and it was one of my favorite trips I've ever done. Loved all the people there. They've become friends of mine. So it wasn't something I ended up regretting. It was a definite win. But again, I had to challenge myself to get out of my comfort zone and say yes. And so that's where we're at right now. A healthy balance. We want healthy balance putas over here. I'm not trying to sound preachy over here. Welcome to my TED Talk. That's not the vibe. (laughs) I'm just letting you know what's worked for me in the past few months where I've noticed a difference in my life. Maybe it can help you. Hopefully it does. Because I can't be the only one struggling over here with people pleasing and setting boundaries. 
oh, I wanted to run some ideas by you for the show. So I love getting your feedback. This show is so much a part of you as it is me. This is a show for you. I want to put out episodes that you enjoy, topics that you love, hearing about guests and and having conversations that are impactful and actually can make a difference in your life. You can always get a takeaway. I stress that on this show because I don't want to waste anybody's time. Time is so precious. And so I want to make sure you get something with every single episode, even if it's just a good laugh or some escapism. You get to escape for a bit if you're dealing with a shitstorm at home or you learn something. And so I asked your advice on the intros because I was questioning, should I even do intros anymore? I had two friends who spoke into my life and said, your intros are a bit on the long side. And then I got all self-conscious and in my head about it. And so I posed the question to you, my beautiful kings and queens, do you want me to keep these intros? If you're not into them, they're cut. Moving on. And we'll just have the actual episode without an intro. But you guys came out in full support of the intros. And so they're staying in the show now. That's a big part of the show. And we're going to keep them, even if they are a bit on the longer side, who cares? As long as you're enjoying them, that's all that matters to me. And I love doing them. And so the intros live on. Now I have a question to you about the outros. It's the end of the show. And I like to read reviews from the listeners. We open up the low life gifting suite. We talk about what's happening for next week's episode. It's a quick outro, but it's also an opportunity for me to shout out my listeners and connect with you. But I was wondering if I should spice it up a little bit. We're still going to do the outro, but instead of it just being reading reviews and giving you a little heads up for next week's episode, I was wondering if you'd be down for an after show. Not for every outro, but just once in a while, I was going to try it out. The after show would be me giving thoughts on the guests that we just had. Some takeaways, some learning lessons, things I liked, questions I might have had. You could write in questions and I could answer a couple of those in the outro. Of course, I'll still shout out my low lifers, but I just thought it might be an interesting take on the end of an episode, specifically when we have a guest. Once I have an expert or someone that comes on to talk about their life or share a story or something, for me to recap it and give a little after show moment, the lowdown. So let me know what you think about that. If you're down to cut the outros out completely, should we do the after show? Would you be interested in that? Also, with this podcast growing and we have this community of low lifers who I'm obsessed with, I was thinking, how could we enhance the show? Maybe a visual component? We have videos that I'll post once in a while on Instagram, and that's basically just to promote the show and, and give you a little teaser of like who the guest is, sound bites here and there. They can't be that long on Instagram. They're all of like 60 seconds. I'm going to continue to do those, but would you guys be interested in a visual component of the show, like actually watching some of these episodes? If so, I'm debating if I should do a Patreon, if that's something you guys would be down for, a Patreon or even a YouTube channel. I know YouTube channel is a bitch. It's a lot of work to get your YouTube up and going. And so if anything, maybe I would do like YouTube shorts. I'd start off with that and a Patreon account. But I just want to know, are you guys interested in the visual component of the show of actually seeing some of these interviews and guests? If you are, let me know in the review section of Apple Podcasts. Again, I love hearing feedback from you. It really does help the show. It helps me. My producers and I are taking notes. We want to make the show the best it can possibly be for you. So I appreciate you giving me some feedback. All right, so let's get into this week's episode. I'm answering your burning questions. These are questions submitted from the lowlifers. They have to do with relationships, sex, life advice, you name it. We're talking about it in this week's episode. Let's dive in. Hit it.
right, let's get into some of your burning questions, burning preguntas from the listeners. Thank you so much for sending questions in. I love that you feel comfortable enough to send questions into me, email me, DM me. The Low Life Hotline is always open for you 24-7, puta. It never closes. And so if you want to send in a question, I am down to answer it here on the show for you. I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm not the Dalai Lama over here. <laughs> Although I've heard he's a shady one. Dalai Lama has like paid endorsements and he'll do paid sponsored trips and shit like that. Anyway, I went on a deep dive on TikTok about how the Dalai Lama is actually kind of a scam. Another day, another podcast, but I'm not a doctor. I'm not a professional advice giver, but I'm down to help you and give you advice to the best of my ability. Uh, sometimes you might not agree with it. That's okay. You don't have to agree with what I'm saying. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, but again, I'm just going to give you the best possible advice that I can and share some perspective. And maybe I could relate to what you're going through and it could help you. All right. So let's get into it. Again, I'm keeping these anonymous, some of them, per the request of the listeners, because I know some of these are a bit controversial. Why would you say something so controversial yet so brave? Or they feel embarrassed, which you don't need to be. But again, I want to respect it. We'll keep it private. First one up from Anonymous writes, I love my boyfriend, but I do occasionally have sex dreams about other people. I had one about my first serious boyfriend who I don't even talk to anymore. It's been years since I talked to him. There's a really cute guy that I work with, and I've definitely had a sex fantasy about him as well, but we are both in happy relationships. He's married, he loves his wife, and I'm also in a very happy, committed relationship, and I want to stay with my boyfriend. I actually could see myself marrying this guy, and we've even talked about a future together. Even after I've had these sex fantasy-type dreams, I still always conclude that I would want to be with my boyfriend. He's my best friend. I love him. Is this normal, and how do I stop? All right, Queen, let me just start this off by saying asking if something is normal is insinuating that the behavior you have right now is abnormal, and there's a shame connotation associated with that, and I do not subscribe to that shame model. No, I don't, and so how you're feeling right now is absolutely normal. And if you're listening to this right now and thinking, oh my God, she's emotionally cheating on her man, having sex fantasies about other people, I disagree. And I don't think you have to feel shame about having sex dreams about other people. It happens. I do feel like some people aren't wired for monogamy. I'd say most people aren't. But again, in the heterosexual straight world, I know that's a bit of a taboo topic because as a society, we're supposed to meet someone, settle down, have babies. Again, that's a breeder mindset. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think based on the data and the numbers of people who end up cheating on their partner, it's like 78% of humans end up cheating on their partner at some point. 80% of people in relationships, heterosexual ones, have been cheated on at some point in their lives. And so it happens. So I'm like, maybe people are just aren't wired for monogamy. But again, if you're choosing monogamy, it's a beautiful thing and you can have a very happy relationship. But I feel like as long as you're not cheating emotionally, let's back this up a little bit and start off with having a sex fantasy about your ex who you don't even talk to anymore. I've had those sex fantasies too when I've been in a committed relationship with someone. It's not a weird thing. It just happens. It doesn't mean there's fractures in your relationship or there's small cracks that are breaking the foundation of who you guys are as a couple. I mean, that's a possibility, but just based on what you said in your message to me, you're happy, you're committed to this guy, you could see yourself marrying him. There's not trouble in paradise. So you're just having fantasies, sex fantasies once in a while. I've had a sex fantasy about Caitlin and Jason, and I've had one about a cousin. <laughs> so 
it happens. And all of those have been either when I'm with someone or not with someone, but I'm just saying like it happens. It's not a weird thing. It's just a life thing. And I don't feel like you should have any shame for that. Now, when it comes to the guy at your work, let's make sure that you're not putting out any signals. You're not flirting with him because then we're getting into home record territory. And I don't love that. This guy is happily married. You're in a relationship too. I hope you're not shopping for trouble. You know what I mean? Like flirting or putting out those vibes because that can get really dangerous fast. If you just see someone who's attractive at your work and you guys hit it off, but there's not any flirting happening, you guys are colleagues, you work together. Yeah, you might have a sex fantasy, a dream about that guy. Again, you're not acting on it. It's just a dream. It happens. Most of the times when people have sex dreams, it really, if you unpack it, doesn't have to do with actual physical sex. Like there's something bigger that we're dealing with here. Like it could be an indicator, one, that you have a good libido, but also could be a desire to connect to some internal aspect of that person, like a trait or a behavior rather than their physical body. I had a sex dream about my cousin, but I didn't end up sleeping with him. You know, so <laughs> it happens. I think just as long as you're really honest with yourself and you're having these dreams, I wouldn't share them with your partner. I feel like that could get really awkward if you're to be like, oh, I just had a dream that my coworker was railing me last night. <laughs> I wouldn't love to hear that as a partner, unless you guys are cool and open in that way. But if you're not, maybe just, you know, save that one for your internal intrusive thoughts. And I would just really look at your relationship and see how you're feeling in the relationship. Maybe you're feeling a bit bored right now, or maybe you're just curious because you've been with this boyfriend of yours for a long time and your mind starts to play some tricks on you once in a while. Again, that's okay. I've talked to couples who have been married for years and it is a very normal thing for them to have sex fantasies about other people. It happens. Again, if you're not emotionally cheating on the person and investing in another relationship with your time, effort, commitment, you're not actually physically cheating on the guy, then I feel like you're good. Enjoy the fantasy. And I guarantee you, your boyfriend is probably having dreams about other people too at certain times. It happens. I mean, what do you think porn is about? Those are different people. You know, it's like we can't watch porn anymore unless it's just your partner. Sometimes it's nice to have a bit of an escape. So yeah, I wouldn't worry about it at all. Uh, don't shame yourself. Don't feel like you're abnormal. It's just part of the human experience. It's expression. And it sounds like you have a healthy libido. So good for you, Queen. I'm not about to shame anybody on this podcast, especially women. They get enough of that shit in society. So it ain't happening here. So hopefully that makes you feel a bit better about it. And good luck to you in your future sex dreams, boo. All right, next question. Here we go. This person also wants to remain anonymous. And she writes... Hey, Lo, everyone was so excited for my baby to be born, but now that I've had my son, my family doesn't seem to really care. Nobody has even offered to babysit. This is my mom's first grandchild, but she doesn't really want to help me much either. Same goes for most of my friends and family. I'm the first one in my family to have a baby, but my feelings are hurt and I feel very alone as a mom. I don't have much help. My husband's side of the family doesn't live near me. The postpartum depression isn't helping matters. What should I do? Oh, mama, I feel for you, queen. I feel for you on this one. The postpartum is real. We're going to be talking about that actually on this podcast. I had Jesse J, a good friend of mine, Jesse J, an incredible recording artist, a songbird of our generation, but she just had a baby and has been really going through postpartum. So I know that will really fuck you up and people don't talk about it very often, but it's heavy to go through. It affects everybody differently, but um, it's really difficult. And so that is probably a contributing factor to feeling just very sensitive and hyper aware that your family isn't being proactive. So that's the first thing let's address. 
The second thing is you had this baby. Everybody was excited about you bringing this little bundle of joy into the world. And now everyone seems to have forgotten about you and the baby. And that's shitty. So my initial reaction reading your message is to say, how dare your family? They're shitty. Step it up, grandma. What the f***? (laughs) But that's just my spicy Latino side coming out because I'm very protective of my queens here at the podcast. And so I know that's a knee-jerk reaction, but now let me just sit with this for a second. My emotions calm down and give you some genuine perspective of what I think is going on here. I'm going to relate this just to my own personal experience of having babies in our family. And I remember when my cousin had a baby and we were all excited and we celebrated her and we had a baby shower and everything. And then once the baby came out, she was bonding with her baby and doing her thing. And we weren't really in the picture But I also remember a lot of us just wanting her to have her space and like take her time. And I didn't want to impose on her because I know she had her hands full. In retrospect, I should have been checking in more. So duly noted because I realized my cousin wasn't someone who felt comfortable even asking for help. She's a self-sustained island, if you will. And so she never wanted to be the one to reach out and ask for any favors or help from people. And so I'm sure she felt a bit resentful because we weren't stepping up to the plate until we did. And so what I learned was I was uncomfortable with her little baby because at the time, this was again over a decade ago, but I wasn't too comfortable with having an infant because, well, I've never had a baby before and I didn't want to hurt the baby and I didn't want anything to go wrong. And these little precious little bundles of joy, I just felt like it was a lot of responsibility. Like it felt very heavy and I just got nervous about it again, because it was foreign territory for me. And so that could be a contributing factor is they just don't feel comfortable with babies right now. Like your mom, for example, you said it's the first grandchild for her. If this is the first baby of the family, yes, she's a mother. She raised you, I would assume, but she probably hasn't had an infant in her arms and had to deal with a baby in quite some time. So it could be a bit of a learning curve again for her. It's like riding a bike. Once you get on, you'll remember what you're doing, but it could be her just being a little bit timid or having some caution in how she approaches handling you and your baby right now. There's a lot of factors that could play into this, but I want to just assume that you have a good family who genuinely loves you. They were happy at one point for you to have this baby. I don't think they're just intentionally trying to neglect you and make you feel like shit and ignore your baby. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I do think it's really important for you and your partner, if you are with someone, to do the outreach and put yourself out there because that's the start of you putting yourself out there and you're going to have to do it a lot more for this little baby. And so it's better to just start now And I would say, don't let your hurt feelings build up a wall with your family because it's easy to let that happen. Hurt feelings, you start feeling neglected or you feel isolated. And then before you know it, you have a complete wall around you and you feel so removed from these people. And so I do think also when it comes to your family members, the more exposure they have to actually meeting this little guy, there's going to be an established bond with this baby and they're going to want to naturally be part of his life because the bond has already been established. And so you can start off with just baby steps. Hey, I'd love to have you guys over for a couple hours and let them really be hands-on with the baby. Let them put the baby down for a nap or burp the baby and stuff like that. Like when I saw my girlfriend, Jessie, I went over to her house and she had her little infant there. Now I'm at the point where I'm obsessed with babies and I feel very comfortable with them because we've had several in our family and I'm always the babysitter. And so I'm very comfortable in that space now, but it was really nice for Jess to be like, here, you can hold him. Do you want to feed him? Do you mind burping him? She was right there with me, but it was nice for her to let me have that bonding moment with her little baby. His name is Sky, 
And I just felt like, oh, I'm a part of his life right now. And I just, my heart just melted getting to do that. And so if you allow your family to come in and little small doses, micro doses of your family so they can get familiarized with the baby, they can start to feel comfortable with him. And then automatically that bond is there. And then, you know, a couple of weeks in, if you're like, hey, I really need to get my nails done or I'm dying to get my roots done. Like I need to have a few hours away. Do you mind watching this little guy? I'm sure they would be excited to, especially grandma. Grandmas will love that. And I'm sure she wants to be a big part of her first grandbaby's life. And so if you start to kind of build that bridge slowly and make them comfortable and establish the bond, I hope in time they'll actually want to be a part of this baby's life and help you. And also, honesty really is the best policy. If you're really hurting right now and and you just need a sense of family and a support network around you, a sense of community, and you don't feel like you're getting that right now, people will want to help you if you put yourself out there. I know a lot of times people just go based on what they're seeing on Instagram or in the group text. Oh, there's cute baby pictures and she seems happy. Everything's good. She's got it handled. But maybe if you aren't having it handled and you vocalize that, People will want to step up to the plate, especially if they're your loved ones, your friends, your family, people that care about you and your baby. I know that really worked in our family, and I bonded to my nieces and nephews and my goddaughter. I'm obsessed with all of them. Now we have a tight-knit family, but it didn't start off like that originally. It took a bit of time, and so hopefully that helps you. I'm sorry you're going through it right now, Queen, but you're a beautiful mama, and I appreciate you even putting yourself out there and asking that question. Hair thinning impacts a lot of us. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. I've been recommending it to my friends and family. I take it. My mama, the queen, takes it. Queen, you love it. Oh, yeah. I recommend it to my hairstylist. I recommend my sister-in-law and even my niece. We range in age from like 22 to 67. They're loving it. Yeah, they are. It's a great Mother's Day gift. Oh, I love it. It's amazing. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LOWLIFE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LOWLIFE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LOWLIFE. All right, next pregunta. Oh, this one's a little bit on the spicy caliente side. This is coming in hot from an anonymous listener, and she writes, Hey, Lo, I recently started dating a guy, and it just got physical between us. The chemistry is amazing, but he's uncircumcised, and it freaks me out. (laughs) This is the first time I'm dealing with that. He could tell I was nervous about it because I didn't go down on him. I was really nervous to give him a BJ because I've never been with an uncircumcised guy before, but I didn't want him to feel embarrassed for his body. He's a really good guy. We hit it off. I really enjoy being around him. How should I handle this situation? I would love your perspective or any advice on this uncut situation, Lo. (laughs) Oh, you have come to the right place, my queen. I am a connoisseur of dicks, a sommelier, a foreskin, if you will. I've definitely seen my share of dicks, including my own. Um, I am circumcised. Not that anyone asked that question, but I'm circumcised, but I do wish that I wasn't. And this is why I wish I wasn't, because I've been doing some research. I'm very passionate about foreskin these days. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is my passion project, foreskin. I know that 
circumcising your kid, your son, is a thing here in the States. It's a Western culture situation, but outside of this Western American superpower, America, outside of America and the rest of the world, little boys aren't being circumcised, unless you're Jewish, but it's not really a thing. In Europe, you go to the UK, you go to Mexico, you go to Barcelona, even in Asia, it's not happening. It's not as prevalent as it is here in the States. So I started doing my research and I watched this really interesting documentary about it because my ex, who I was with for like eight years, he was actually uncircumcised as well. That was the first time I'd ever been with a guy who had extra foreskin. And I was like, oh, interesting. I watched this documentary. It's called American Circumcision. Now, granted, I watched it after taking edibles, so it was really trippy. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they dived into the backstory of why we even do that to kids. And so I know for a lot of people, they say, oh, because it's cleaner. You got a cleaner dick if it's circumcised. I'm here today to burst that unclean circumcised dick stereotype and say that a dirty dick is a dirty dick, no matter how much skin you have on it. You got to maintain it no matter where you're at circumcised wise. And so <laughs> there are plenty of guys who have uncircumcised dicks who keep their junk beautiful, sparkly, and clean, and I've enjoyed the fruits of their labor. Now, granted, if you're a kid with it, like you have to be taught how to clean it properly, and it is an extra step. And so I get why some parents opt to circumcise their kids, but I was thinking to myself, if I had a son, would I want him to be circumcised? And I'm really debating it now because I know this much, just based on the numbers and I've been doing research, I should do a podcast episode all about circumcision. Would you guys be into that? Would you be down for me to do a circumcision deep dive? I could have doctors, nurses, like I'd get some experts on here to talk about it, debate it. So let me know if you want to go down that foreskin rabbit hole with me in the review section of Apple Podcast. <laughs> so, in looking up research, though, I learned that 30% of your nerve receptors, when they circumcise you, they cut off 30% of those nerve endings on your penis for little kids. And so it is mutilation. It is a form of mutilation. And that's why it's a very controversial topic. But when you do that to a kid and then he grows up, the orgasms that he's going to have as an adult male are going to be less pleasurable because 30% of those nerve receptors have been removed when he was just a little infant. And so, again, it's controversial. I don't know. When it comes to uncircumcised dicks, though, just jump in head first. Make sure it's clean. You know, I'm sure this guy is well kept. I would hope so. <laughs> but uh, I would say when it comes to giving him a BJ, I've given BJs to both cut and uncut, and I do prefer the uncut. It's just better. You got more to work with, and it's a more pleasurable experience, not only for the guy, but for me as well. And so I know it could be a little bit daunting because this is a new experience for you, but if you travel anywhere outside of the world and you're looking for some dick, you're going to see a lot more uncut wieners, Queen. And so <laughs> I think you just need to roll up those sleeves, get your mouth on it, don't forget the balls, and, uh, and have a good time and try giving him a BJ. And if you're not down to do that, okay. But I really think you should try. <laughs> just try it. Just try at least once and see if you're down because it could be a very enjoyable experience for your partner if you're into him. Maybe you got to wait a little bit longer to get comfortable. But again, I know it could be scary at first because you've never seen one. I get that. But exposure therapy, it's like going to a new restaurant and trying something you've never had before. Uh, you might end up loving it, and it will be chef's kiss. All right, enjoy that uncut dick queen. You are in for a treat. <laughs> All right. Next question. <laughs> 
the way, my advice to her when she's like, I'm nervous for this penis I've never seen before. My advice was just go suck it. <laughs> go and suck his dick. <laughs> Welcome to the low life. Okay, here we go. Next pregunta. Oh, this person doesn't need to be anonymous. Uh, they said I can share her name. All right, here we go. Hi, Lo. Happy birthday, my fellow cancer crab. My name is Brittany, and I live in San Antonio, Texas. <gasps> Love my Texas queens. I just turned 30 years old, and it was actually really depressing for me to say goodbye to my 20s. I have a younger sister, but I always wished I had an older sibling who I could talk to about life stuff and get advice from. Even though we've never met Lo, I feel like you're the big brother, big sister, cult leader all wrapped into one that I always dreamed of having. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love your podcast and it's really helped me through some challenging times in my life. I know you just turned 34 years old. What has been your biggest lesson or takeaway from your 30s so far? Ooh, that's a great question. There's been so many takeaways. I know turning 30 could feel really scary. God, you're so young though. My God, to be 29 turning 30 again. What a moment. Especially for me, it was June 30th. And so that's my golden year, as they like to say, when I turned 30. But it was a very transformational year for me. I love my 30s. And if you're listening to this right now and you're a fellow millennial like myself and you're in your 30s or older than that, 40s, 50s, I would never want to go back to my 20s. No thanks. That chapter is closed. I'm good. <laughs> I was a hot mess in my 20s. And I've learned so much about myself, about people in my 30s that I just really wouldn't want to go back. I've just come so far that I'm like, ooh, let's just not look in the rearview mirror here. So I know it's scary for you to say goodbye to your 20s, but I'm just here to assure you, Queen, that there is light at the end of the tunnel and the 30s are incredible. I've been loving them so far and I have learned a lot. And so to pick just one big takeaway for me, one life lesson for my 30s so far, oh God. Well, the biggest one I'd have to say so far that has really hit me like a semi is realizing that my parents are not going to live forever. It is a painful realization because I've always looked at my parents, especially in my teen years to my 20s. My mom, the queen, has always just been 50 years old in my head. And same with my dad. I don't look at them like they're aging. That's never really crossed my mind. They've never really had too many health problems to worry about. In your 20s, you're really leading with your ego. It's a self-absorbed phase of life. You can feel a bit selfish during that time. It's just a time to find yourself. I mean, we're always finding ourselves throughout the different chapters of our life, but I was definitely more self-absorbed and went through a bit of an asshole phase in my early 20s. My shit don't stink, and I just know better than everybody. No one could tell me shit. <laughs> I didn't want to hear anything from anyone. I quickly learned lessons the hard way. That's not a way to go through life. But now in my 30s, understanding that my parents are dealing with some health issues. My mom, the queen, who I'm best friends with, super close with, she was diagnosed with hemochromatosis, which is a genetic blood disease and has to do with iron in your body. It could be very dangerous if not treated, and it will kill you and attack your major organs. So that has been a bit heavy for me. And the thought of losing my mom, oh my God. Oh, I can't. I can't even go there right now just because I'll spiral and I don't want to spiral right now. But knowing how fragile life is. Also, in my 30s, I've really become hyper aware of the fragility of life because now I've actually lost people. And hopefully that doesn't happen for you in your 30s. Some people won't experience it till their 40s. But in my mid to late 20s and my 30s, oh, I was hit with so much loss. And so that has been the biggest takeaway is how incredibly fragile life really is 
for all of us and that my parents aren't going to be around forever. And so I want to enjoy every moment I can with them, every holiday, every little phone call. Sometimes my dad and I will butt heads once in a while. And I'll think to myself, the fact that I even have a dad to butt heads with and fight with, I'm grateful for that. Even though I think he's an asshole right now, he's my asshole and I love him. Love you, daddy. (laughs) And so it gives you a bit more grace in your relationships. I've been a lot more kind, compassionate. I have a lot more empathy. And I'm just, again, very aware at how fragile life is because I've had to bury several people who I'm close to. And I've had close calls with my parents. My mom, if we didn't catch that diagnosis of her disease, uh, we wouldn't have her by Christmas this year. That's what her doctor had said to her. And so I'm really thankful that we were able to get a diagnosis and now she's being treated and, and we could take care of it. But again, that was a close call. Really scary. My dad also shattered his shoulder. He was down for months, couldn't even work. Seeing him deal with that, and he was depressed and heavy stuff. My dad, who has been this pillar of strength, Mr. MacGyver, we call him, because he's able to fix anything and everything. He's always rigging shit up, but he couldn't do it. His wings were clipped. Well, one specifically, his shoulder, it was shattered. And so he had to have two pretty invasive surgeries, and uh, it was a lot for our family. And so seeing that happen to the most important people in my life, my parents, mi familia, uh, it really was a huge wake-up call that the only thing that truly matters at the end of the day is your health. That is number one. Nothing can come before that. Your health is everything. It's imperative to your existence. And I know from reading quotes from Steve Jobs, for example, who's worth billions of dollars, he was richer than Midas, and on his deathbed, this guy has a really inspirational quote, but Basically, the gist of it is I have everything I would ever want or imagine in life. I don't long for anything. The only thing I can't buy, the only thing I can't get is health. He was dying and there was nothing he could do about it. He had the best doctors in the world. It didn't matter. His body was shutting down. And so when you hear stories like that, or I hear stories where someone is paralyzed, that's also a big wake-up call. But I'm very cognizant of those things that are happening in the world to different people In my 30s, I'm just paying attention to those things and seeing how crucial health really is. And so it gave me a bit of a perspective change. Some of the things that I would normally stress over, I'm like, I don't need to put my body through that. Some toxic friends who are treating me like shit, I'm like, good riddance, goodbye, adios. Clients who were not loyal to me, who took advantage of me. Typically, the old low would get upset and I'd be really hurt and I'd carry around that resentment or I could be a bit jaded going into the world. Now I'm like, fuck it. It doesn't matter. I'll get new clients. There's bad friends out there. Friendship breakups, they suck. It's okay. I'll make new friends. All that matters is I have some people in my life who I love and care for, and I have my health because I wouldn't even be able to enjoy people in my life if I don't have that. Another big takeaway for me that kind of piggybacks on the whole health thing is realizing how intertwined and interconnected your mental health is with your physical health. Here in America, we treat mental illness, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia with a psychiatrist, a psychologist, go to therapy, separate team of doctors. And then if anything's going wrong with your body, you go to your general doctor for some health care. Some insurance doesn't even cover anything for mental health, but they are so intertwined and you can't have one without the other. And so I've also come to that understanding of like, oh, should I really need to be taking care of myself mentally? The power of the mind, it's truly remarkable. And we have neuroplasticity. Our brains are always changing. But if you keep saying negative thoughts to yourself or you beat yourself up all the time or you're really hard on yourself, like I used to be, 
You end up carving out a path in your brain for negativity and treating yourself like shit, and you will believe what you tell yourself. You'll end up believing you're a piece of shit if you tell yourself that enough. If you keep saying you're lazy and you're not going to amount to anything or nobody loves you, if you say that to yourself enough, you carve out that neural pathway that that becomes your truth, and it does impact your body. Going outside and getting some steps in is not only good for your heart, cardiovascular-wise, it's also amazing for your mind. If you're filling your body with a ton of chemicals and harsh shit and you're not feeding it nutrients that are sustainable for your body to survive and thrive, well, then you're going to end up being impacted. And also, you'll feel depressed. It's been linked. Certain oils are linked to depression in our bodies. It's wild. Also, I just learned that saffron has a lot of the same benefits that antidepressants have to the body. And so having a diet that includes saffron or there's specific mushrooms like lion's mane that is also very beneficial for the body, but also the mind and helps with anxiety and depression and sharpens you cognitively. These foods that we're eating or exercising, again, it all plays a part in keeping us healthy. And that is the most important thing. And so that's why I stress it on this show. And I'm always talking about mental health and things that we can do to improve ourselves because it's not easy. And I do feel specifically here in America, we do have the cards stacked against us because there's so many shitty options available to us. <laughs> there's terrible foods to eat and it's more expensive to eat clean than it is to go get a number two value meal at McDonald's, which is mind blowing to me. You can have $10 and get yourself a value meal at a fast food joint, but it doesn't go very far when you're buying fruits and veggies and trying to eat clean at the grocery store, especially if you want to try and go organic. Like that's a whole other price point. And so it's not easy, but it's important and health is all we've got. And so that's been my biggest takeaway. Long-winded, but it's just so important. And seeing that my parents aren't invincible, they're aging and they're not going to be with me forever is heartbreaking and hard for me to even wrap my mind around. But at the same time, it is part of our human experience. And so it just makes me very dialed in to these moments with my parents, to enjoy them, to go the extra mile, to make that phone call, to go out of my way to drive to Orange County or book that flight to see whoever. It really makes me go above and beyond because I know time is limited and life is just so fragile. And so that perspective change for me has really helped me with even how I manage stress or anxiety or just life problems. I let them roll off me a bit easier because I'm like, in the grand scheme of things, what are we doing here? That shit doesn't matter. What matters is your health and surrounding yourself with really good people. Once you've experienced a few really hard losses, um, major heartbreaks, I don't know if you've gone through that yet, Brittany, hopefully you haven't, but as someone who has over here, it's also a big wake-up call that this is not a dress rehearsal. This is the live performance. This is the finale, baby. So go out there and give it your all. Live life to the fullest and know that you can transform your life at any age. It's never too late to have a good childhood. That is a quote that my therapist told me, uh, that it's never too late to have a good childhood. And I love that because it's also never too late to transform yourself. Urgency culture has us believing that changes for your 20s. I was a mess in my 20s. I don't want to go back to that. So don't think life has passed you by after 35 or 40 or 55 or 60. It doesn't matter. Society's age dysfunction doesn't need to be your reality. If you want to pick a new signature scent, you want to learn a new language, change up your career, go find love, travel the world, do whatever you want. Just do you, boo. Starting over is a beautiful thing. It should be celebrated. This is all we've got. This is our final show. So make the most of it. And on that note, that's the perfect place to leave this week's episode on.
I'm so excited for next week's guest. Stay tuned for Jessie J. She's coming in hot to the studio, live from the UK. She flew into LA and she got on the mic with me and we laughed, we cried. Oh, it is a beautiful conversation. It's a conversation about just the human experience in general, but Jessie has been this figure on stage, shaking her ass, doing her thing. She's got these incredible pipes. She can belt out the notes. And now she's going into motherhood. That's a whole new life for her. These are uncharted waters for her, but she's swimming like a champ. She is a beautiful mother, but she speaks very honestly and openly about what she's been going through as a mom. And this is her first interview that she's done after giving birth. I know a lot of podcasts and news outlets have wanted to have her on since having a baby because they want to talk to her because this is, you know, the motherhood story. But she felt comfortable in coming to the Low Life Podcast and sharing her story here. And so she's a very good friend of mine. I absolutely love her. It's a safe space for her to talk here. And so next week, we have a two-part conversation coming in hot with Jessie J, who I just learned, by the way, this queen who I've been friends with for years. She wrote the song Party in the USA, Miley Cyrus. What a banger. Didn't know she wrote that at like 18 years old. That was the start of Jessie's career. Wild. And so we talk about the music industry, we talk about her career, and we talk a lot about motherhood and the ups and downs of what she's been going through. It is a very uplifting, informative, beautiful episode. I cannot wait to share that with you next week. Stay tuned for that, fam. I love doing this podcast. This podcast has helped me so much in life. Truly, it's brought me so much joy. The community of low lifers that I have, my kings and queens, I appreciate you so much for listening to this podcast and supporting the show. I love doing it. I'm happy to be here. And in those moments when I've been really going through it, Struggle City USA, it's hard for me to even get out of bed. I know that I can turn on that mic and I can connect with you. And this beautiful community of low lifers has evolved and it means everything to me. And so thank you for supporting the show. I appreciate you doing that. I want to give thanks and gratitude to my low lifers and I love gifts. And so the low life gifting suite is open for business. Oh, we are giving out gifts, especially because we're going into the holidays. We got spooky season gifts. We have Christmas Feliz Navidad gifts. I might even be sending some tamales to people in December. And so if you want a chance to win a little something, something, who doesn't love free shit? All you got to do is leave a review in the review section of Apple Podcast. It's a small gesture that is such a game changer for podcasts, for any show that you love. And so I'd love to hear from you in the review section. Let me know how you feel about the after show for the outro. You down for an after show? Also, the visual component. Are you down for a Patreon? Do you want to see this podcast visually, videos of it? And if so, would you prefer it on Patreon, YouTube, OnlyFans? <laughs> I can figure out where I'm going to put this podcast visually. And then we just started the Instagram for the Low Life Podcast. So make sure you give that a follow. It is going to be a safe space where I could post all the funny memes and put out some good quality content out there for my kings and queens. So make sure you follow the Low Life Podcast on Instagram. There were a couple people who had left reviews on Apple Podcasts and I slid into their DMs and I was surprised that they didn't even follow me on Instagram. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. I mean, that's fine. You don't have to follow me, but it would be nice if you did because one, we could slide into each other's DMs, but also I give a lot of updates on my current Instagram, which is Style LVR on the podcast. Upcoming guests, I'll talk about the show. I do a lot of polls to see what things you guys like and don't like for the show. Again, I always love your feedback. And so I get a lot of that through the Facebook group, which is linked in the description of this episode, but also on Instagram. All right, I want to shout out a few of my low lifers who took the time to leave a review on Apple Podcast. All right, here we go. The first one up is coming in hot from Christine the Bean Seven. 
I love that name. Christine the Bean. All right, you little beaner. Christine writes, five stars. I found this podcast from Off the Vine with Canadian Maple Delight, also known as Caitlin Bristow, and I couldn't be happier listening to Lowe and his hilarious episodes. His dark sense of humor really resonates with me, and I love to hear his takes on everything from pop culture to Hispanic heritage. It really is a bright light in my otherwise stressful life. Drink your water. P.S. I love your intros so much, but your outros, I usually skip. Oh, <laughs> thank you for your honesty, Queen. Also, I love astrology and crystals and the moon phases. I'd love if you did an episode with Magdalena McClellan, a.k.a. my metaphysical maven, going over the moon phases and ways to manifest, when to release things that no longer serve you, etc., PPS, I am not friends with any of my exes because unfortunately they are all terrible people. I'm still trying to learn my lesson over here. <laughs> Christine the Bean, thank you for that review. I appreciate your honesty. And I would love to check out Magdalena McClellan. I don't know my metaphysical maven, but I'll check her out on Instagram. I'm super into horoscopes, astrology. Oh, I'm in my witchy phase right now of life. I'm all about spirit guides and manifesting and really leaning into the spiritual side of this universe, and I'm loving it. And so I'm going to do more episodes on astrology. I'd love to have a psychic on the podcast again. I had Chris Medina. He was amazing. I also have Eliza Kelly back on the show. I got to message her. She's such a great guest. I love her. And so stay tuned. Yeah, I love that. And maybe I'll have Magdalena come on as well, too. I'll do some research and we'll see if we can get her on the show. All right, we have time for one more review, and this one is coming in hot from at Georgie Armstrong. Oh, I love that name. Georgie Armstrong writes... What I want to talk about on the pod, five stars. Lo, I love the podcast. It has helped me in times when I felt alone, and listening made me feel like I had a friend during a tough time. Keep doing what you're doing. I'd love to hear more episodes with empaths or mediums, maybe a guest regarding the upcoming election, or women from the USA women's soccer team. Always love when Jason and Caitlin come on, and of course, the queen. Oh, I'm so down for more mediums and fellow empaths to come on the show. 100% would love that. Ooh, and with the new election, that would be interesting. Ooh, I'm so down to do some election coverage here at the Low Life Podcast, reporting the news live for you. See, that's tough because when it comes to the election, the episodes have to come out like as it's happening because there's always new developments and new things happening. And so I could make it happen though. I usually batch the episodes ahead of time, but for the election, we might just have to record in the moment. Also, that USA women's soccer team, what a great idea. Love the idea of having women's athletes or just athletes in general on the show. And so I'll definitely be trying to secure a really good athlete to come on the show, preferably from the US women's soccer team, but I'm down to have any athlete on this podcast. Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's son, uh, Joseph Bania, he's a friend of mine, and he said he was so down to come on the show. And so I got to reach back out to him because I know he's busy and we lost touch, but I'll text him and uh, see when we can get him in the studio. But he would be a great guest. Oh, and he's definitely an amazing athlete. He looks just like his dad and he is Mr. Bodybuilder. He looks amazing. And so, yeah, I'll have that Schwarzenegger snack on the podcast. Stay tuned for that. And on that note, I hope you have a beautiful weekend ahead. Go outside and get some sun. If it is still sunny, it's been super gloomy. Spooky season is coming in hot. Maybe go have a delicious margarita with some tahini around the rim. Enjoy an edible. Go to Mars. Read a good book. But don't forget to drink your water, puta. We, we love, love you. you, and we're out. <laughs> Bye, guys.
Hey, y'all. I'm Brandi Cyrus. Wait, are we live? <laughs> and that's my mom, Tish. Sorry, we're stoned. You're going to have to talk into the mic, toots. Hey, everybody. It's Tish the Dish here. Just ready to dish on all of life's hottest topics. And plus, you'll hear crazy family stories, design tips, and oh, so much more. So follow our pod and find us on Instagram at Sorry We're Stoned so you don't miss an episode. Bye, stoners.